0: Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke, and I'm Tyler, and this is Cosmere Conversations. Conversations.
1: Hello, hello to all of you. Absolutely amazing listeners. We have a very special, a bonus episode released to everyone in the entire world because we have returned from Dragon Steel Convention 2023. Woohoo! Woohoo indeed, because I had so much fun. And yeah. the only thing that I want to do after Dragonsteel 2023 is go to Dragonsteel 2024 even more than I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This was our first year going to the convention. And I just want to start and just preface this whole episode by saying that the convention is not accessible to everyone. It is like relatively expensive and involves travel, et etc., et and is not necessary to be a fan of the Cosmere. And I know last year when like everyone was going to the con, I felt sad and left out and like, man, am I really a Cosmere fan? Yes, you are. So listener, if you two were not at the Dragonsteel convention this year, don't worry about it. You're still just as much of a fan as anyone else. And you are welcome here.
1: Especially because you can listen to us talk about the Dragonsteel convention.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for free.
1: No money required, (laughs) but for those that would like to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon in the month of December. We're having a big raffle giveaway, but that's locked up. That's closed. And we want to give a shout out to our most recent patrons, the first of whom is named Kyle. Thank you, Kyle, for
0: joining up at the Silverlight Scholar tier. We also have Mitchell, who recently joined. Thanks, Mitchell. And Tomas has joined at our lowest
1: tier that's only two dollars per episode which means that tomas and all of our patrons are going to be entered into a raffle and they could win up to a hundred dollars at the dragon steel store we are imagining that they will get a leather bound book of their choosing but they're welcome to get anything that they want including like stuff from the convention doom slugs sweaters anything that might have been available or is available on dragon steel, we're going to get it to one of our patrons thank you so much for being patrons and thank you for listening
0: what was your sort of overall impression of dragon Steel con 2023 as our first year what did you think did it live up to your expectations
1: so many exciting thoughts was having just a great time in salt lake city we happened to stay at a hotel that was right across the street from the convention center the center where it's kept i think it's called the salt palace Mm -hmm. is massive it's so big and many many times bigger than really what like was a corner or a wing that everyone which was like five thousand or more people filled up on the biggest day during you know brandon's speech there were a huge number of people and i would say it was like one tenth of the Salt Palace capacity.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's safe to say that the convention can be hosted there for many years in the future. We can probably just plan on uh, that being the venue for the foreseeable future. I think last year was the first year they went to the Salt Palace um, because they needed more space. And I think that that upgrade is going to last them for a while.
1: I think that my overall impression of the convention itself is defined by the people who were there. And that is my biggest takeaway, kind of like the biggest thing that I felt. There were just so many people. We obviously are all linked by our love of the Cosmere and these books and these stories. And it was just wonderful to meet those people. So many people were kind and generous yeah. and just it was a great experience because it was an opportunity to meet so many Cosmere fans. And I think that's kind yeah. of like my biggest takeaway from the whole convention.
0: Absolutely. I agree. It was so much fun to just be in uh, a place, in a in a group where Everyone was a fan and you just immediately had a connection point with every single person that you met. Uh, You know, there were people that we were just standing in line with or happened to be like eating lunch next to. And it was so easy to strike up a conversation. Everyone was just so nice. uh, And it felt great to be able to bond over, you know, cool cosplays. And when 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 I got excited about something, you know, everyone else around me was also excited about it, which was really cool. And it kind of made me want to start or at least try to start more like in-person Cosmere fan meetups or something. Uh, cause it felt great.
1: I agree. That would be wonderful and Obviously, that's not something that we can control because it requires those other people. (laughs) But I do think that that is really the difference. If you are able to, especially next year, 2024, I think is going to be so much fun. It's the release party for Stormlight Archive 5. Brandon has so much power and so much fame within the publishing industry that he is moving the release of his book to Saturday so that the convention can be held On the weekend, not next to Thanksgiving, like there's just a bunch of stuff that is going to be great about 2024. And I think if you can find those people in your real life, in your community, that's great. And if you want to find a community and make a community, Dragonsteel next year is a great place. We're going to be there and we hope to see some of you there as well.
0: Let's talk a little bit more specifically about different events or like panels that we went to at the con. What did we think about all of the things that were available to do and see?
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be kind of like part summary, but also part listening experience for people who are wondering like, what's the convention like? What am I able to do?
0: Exactly. Like, what is it like? Is it worth it? Do I feel like I want to go? Um, If you are wondering, hopefully this will help you.
1: And then while we are discussing our experience at the convention, we are also going to intercut some... Fans that we met and talked to and had like a chance to speak to Jancy Patterson, the co-author in the Skyward series and other artists from the Cosmere as well as just many normal fans like ourselves. So you're going to have a couple of moments cut into this episode where other people are talking and that's always fun. You'll kind of meet some of the Cosmere people that we met as well. For example, here is Jancy Patterson, who has written several of the novellas in the Skyward Flight series and started co-writing with Brandon in the Alcatraz series. There's also some hope that maybe she will join officially into the Cosmere. But here is her responding to my question about what most excites her when Brandon asks her to write in these different universes. And if you are interested, you can find more of Jancy's work over at her website, JancyPatterson.com. That's J-A-N-C-I Patterson.com. Here's Jancy's response.
2: When Brandon first asked me to work on Bastille, which was the first one I started working on with him, um, he, it was actually a text message. And he said, you know, you can think about this. Take your time. But I wondered if you wanted to co-author the last book uh, in the Alcatraz versus the Evil Librarian series with me. And, he, and I was like, yes, yes. Wait, was I supposed to think about it? Yes. Because Brandon has the best worlds and the best toys. And I am just so grateful that he lets me play with them.
1: My specific likes and dislikes, my hot takes and my cold takes. Yeah. I want some of your thoughts as well, because I think that the best part, I'm going to leave aside anything that involves Brandon directly, Sure. because that is why we're all there. Yeah. And he <laughs> is the kind of the main show. Leaving that aside, there were wonderful panels. I had a great time. I wanted to go see more panels, and yeah. I wish that there was a... Opportunity for more next year there will be because the convention's gonna be an extra right. day.
0: Yeah, we'll get an extra day next year. I feel like there was a really good spread of panels in terms of topics. There were a few that were specific to people who want to be writers or who are writers talking about the writing process oh, and yeah. industry publishing stuff. and yeah, industry stuff. And then, of course, there were just sort of fan panels. There was one about creating Cosmere content on socials, there was one about like how to make a specific cosplay
1: there were panels that included well-known artists from the cosmere extended universe if you will yeah
0: howard lyons Steve argyle
1: miranda meeks Mm -hmm. katie
0: payne
1: had an opportunity to speak briefly with miranda And so, very much appreciate all of the time and enthusiasm and energy that everyone in the exhibition hall brought. But here is Miranda Meeks responding to my question about what makes her excited to create in the Cosmere and put so much time into these beautiful works. If you're interested in seeing her Cosmere and non Cosmere, paintings, drawings, and creations. You can find her at MirandaMeeks.com. Her last name is spelled M-E-E-K-S. And here's her response.
2: All right. One of my favorite things about the Cosmere is not only the atmosphere in which the characters live, but honestly, I love the characters themselves. Um, You kind of fall in love with them throughout uh, reading the books. And One of my favorite things is trying to portray their character, not only their likeness, but their spirit and their motivation and their passion and trying to convey that in an image that is still image. Basically, so it's it's really cool to try to capture these really in depth characters. They're multifaceted, and trying to engage that and convey it effectively is one of my favorite parts. And then being able to connect with the readers after only to find out that that's exactly how they imagine the character just it brings me um, so much joy, honestly, as an artist. So that's one of my favorite things about it.
1: You had. A lot of different creators who all have different vibes and kind of like different followings of their own. They were all brought together and, you know, discussing how they produce work. There were live drawings going yeah, on that with was some of cool. these artists where they like bring someone up. The one that I walked into was they had someone on stage and there were two artists with like cameras over their shoulders and they are both simultaneously drawing this person in their style and then changing the person to be in the cosmere so it like became i think a a lethe-esque woman a shallan-esque dress oh i didn't was see with. that one it was a different one we split yeah. for a little bit we didn't Ooh, go to every single okay. thing so on that note of the panels, tell me some of your favorites. What was, uh, you know, kind of your most enjoyable panel that we went to? Yeah, or, well, and, o- and of
0: course there were, you know, panels that were just for like Cosmere fans, book clubs and deep dives and things like that. So as I was saying earlier, there was just a really good variety. So kind of any any type of fan would have something to go to, many things to go to that they would be interested in. Obviously, I was into the deep dives. Yeah. So... We did
1: like every book club that we could possibly schedule. Yeah. One of them involved Emily Sanderson, Brandon's yeah. wife and CFO
0: of Dragon Steel Company. I think her actual official like legal title at the company is Queen. That is correct. <laughs> so Queen Emily uh, was in the Yumi book club. They did kind of a fun thing where they had a, a-, a game involved Uh, with the book club that was a little bit more participatory for the audience. And I liked that one a lot. We went to a couple other book clubs that were more of a traditional panel with just a a handful of people kind of talking about Mm -hmm. the the text. And those were mostly good, I would say. Obviously, it's hard to get in everything you want to say and just an hour for most of these panels. Obviously sure. we talk about these books for many, many hours on the podcast, which is why we split books up into multiple episodes. So I think for a a hardcore fan like we are who have spent a lot of time analyzing these books, I didn't I would say I didn't get a whole lot of new insider info out of those panels, but they were still fun and just kind of fun to get to know and see some other sort of names in the in the Cosmere fan base.
1: Yeah, there were arcanists, people who are probably most famous for moderating things like the 17 Shard. Yeah, we met Joff (laughs) Wu. Yes. Shout out. We've
0: definitely talked about on the podcast before in like Word of Brandon episodes
1: yeah and those people who kind of make the community what it is yeah were present and you know some of them are doing panels like jafu was but there are also people that just kind of like are randomly walking around and are involved with dragon steel on the merchandise side or you know there's just like so many different people who are involved in so many ways and it was Completely possible to just run into them randomly and be like, oh, yeah, where are you coming from? And they're like, oh, actually, I work for Dragonsteel or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think my favorite panels were the ones that were both like super nerdy deep dives, but also had some type of participation. I really loved the Cosmere trivia, I thought that was really fun. Uh And I liked that Yumi panel that was a little bit more participatory.
1: Let me just give you a shout out. You might be too modest to do it yourself, but my girl here won top 10?
0: Top 15. Top 15. Yeah, I was 13 out of 15. In the
1: secret project trivia out of over 600 people this is true. who were doing the trivia and we will have actually the winner of the overall trivia competition right now because i had my microphone on me i was asking kind of a random people throughout the convention two questions which is what's your favorite thing about the cosmere and what's a character you want to see more of and what's a character you want to see less of for these interviews, I'm going to only have first names. I'm very sorry if you wanted like a moment of internet fame with both your first and last name. But just for privacy considerations, I want to respect everyone out there. So here's Jonas and his sister Magdalena, both who did amazing in the trivia. And Jonas, who took the overall victory with an even more impressive resume stat that both of these kids are only in high school, and they cleaned up against everyone. Uh, My name is Jonas. Character I would love to see more of? Vasher and Nightblood, either together or separate, along with Zellion. I'm really interested to see where his story goes. Less of? uh, I don't know if there's any one character I'd like to see less of, just because they're all, like, actually pretty fun to see their stories, even if I hate them essentially.
0: My name is Magdalena. I would like to see more of Cobsol. He's the ardent from the first Way of King's Book, the one that does try to
2: poison Shallan like seven or eight times. And yes, he's dead now, but like, it would be fine. He could come back.
0: Uh, a character I like to see less of is probably Moash. I don't like him. There, There's nothing more to say than that. Uh, yes, I'm cosplaying as Shallan today, and yesterday I was Vin.
1: Favorite thing in general? Basically, everything has some at least semi-scientific explanation for why it happens. There's nothing that's just like, like Harry Potter, it's just like, this is magic. It can, you can do basically anything. Cosmere is more, there are rules and laws of some laws of physics or whatever, and they're pretty clearly defined.
0: I'm gonna go with probably almost an opposite answer of like, kind of anything can happen. Of yeah, they're all connected, but they can each exist as their own separate stories. And even if like, they don't tie back together, it's still a great story in and of itself. What about you? What was your favorite panel that we went to?
1: Well, I think we had a lot of fun at the late night Sunlit Man book club. Oh, yeah. That one was great. It included people like the Cosmere Chick, who's pretty famous on Instagram and TikTok, as well as passionate people about the cosmere at like different fandom levels i really like that it wasn't all our super nerds right. yeah
0: there were a couple of people on that panel in specific who said like i'm kind of a casual cosmere mm-hmm. fan i don't read the books many many times and it was really interesting to hear their perspectives and their takes and especially to hear like is this a good book To recommend to people who aren't super into the Cosmere, was it still interesting? Was it still a good read, even if uh, you don't have all of the background? That's always a perspective that I'm interested to hear because obviously I want to know what books I can recommend to people.
1: (laughs) How do we suck you in to the Cosmere? We need more (laughs) podcast listeners, and that requires (laughs) over 30 books being read. Yeah. So it's a small fandom, but it's a growing fandom. And we thank Brandon (laughs) for that. I also loved a lot of the non-panel stuff going on. There were many opportunities that we didn't get to fully participate, but in the same way that we went to panels, other people were able to simply hang out in the game room yeah. where there were board games, some of them Cosmere-based, but then other games were there as well. They and
0: had DD going on. They had a Stormlight Archive, Call to Adventure, both just gameplay going on. They also had a learn how to play Call to Adventure table, which I thought was really cool.
1: Yes. Brotherwise Games was actually previewing a new game and was teaching people so that would be exclusive an exclusive opportunity only for those people who were there for that time yeah period. the
0: stormlight archive role-playing game which seems very cool
1: it's definitely a great blend of kind of the standby DD character creation you have some points you roll dice but then you are incorporating i would say maybe some like more modern games as well we were only overhearing What was happening and the explanations we weren't playing ourselves, but one of the designers of the game actually invented another game like a couple of years ago, and they brought him on to help incorporate that style along with the traditional DD role playing aspects that many people are already familiar with. So it seems like a fun game. Yes, we'll be spending money on it as soon as it's released. Don't know when it would be perfect if it was for Stormlight Archive 5 release next year. But everybody's got different production cycles. No pressure, guys. However, I think it's cool that those opportunities existed for people because that also means that you can change your vibe really at any time. You just need to go to a different part or a different room.
0: Yeah. There was also the craft room where they had a bunch of different craft kits that you could either purchase while you were there or you could order them ahead of time. You could also just bring your own craft supplies and there were open tables. I saw someone with a coloring book, coloring. There was a soul caster craft. I did a couple of slug related crafts Made obviously. A terrarium. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say the craft room was a good vibe. It was a really nice place to get away from a little bit of the busier mm-hmm. areas, the kind of hustle and bustle. It was really fun to just sit, do sort of a quiet activity for a little bit and be around other people making cool cosmere stuff
1: let's do some rough cuts i had one qualm and i think it's the (laughs) qualm that needs to be mentioned and was reported on my suggestion
0: envelope that i
1: personally handed to brandon himself no i just sent in the review form that they asked for but i think easily the most difficult part was the merch store.
0: Yes, the Dragonsteel merch store. Apparently, it was in the exhibit hall last year, which I can't even imagine that. This year, they were smart enough to put the Dragonsteel merch store in its own separate room, but that did not help the fact that the line for the merch store was an entire room to itself and then some.
1: Yes, it had a minimum for good chunks of both days, a two to three hour line. Yes. And we got some recording done in that line.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will say the the upside of being in line for two and a half hours was that we met a lot of really nice people. We like made some Cosmere we friends. We saw some cool cosplays, but it took up a huge chunk of our first day We missed a couple of panels that we wanted to go to because we were in line. Yeah. And it was really exhausting. Like, that was a really tiring way to sort of start the experience. On one hand, we got it out of the way early, but it would have been great if it was just a more enjoyable experience in general. Yeah. And I
1: don't quite know... The fix or like easy solution when you are trying to shuffle in what was probably yeah. almost everyone who was at the convention wanted to go to the merch store. Right. And so that's 5,000 people that you need to cycle through. I threw out some ideas and I will just like put them into the universe <laughs> here but the basic one is they need to figure out a way to make that much faster especially if they want the convention to grow because if there's double the number of people next year right. that's a Not six scalable. hour wait exactly and so I think it would be cool to like further separate things where you have a pickup station for your loot for your merchandise that you want And a shopping ability because they basically like turned a corner into a dragon steel store. It was clearly like still in a hall, but it was kind of like a store where people were going into and browsing and like looking at all the cool stuff and there were like hidden slugs places and it was fun for those that like shopping and it's a cool visual for dragonsteel to do i want that to exist completely separately from merchandise pickup which sure. is, i think is just like have the people who want to go shopping and mark down or qr code whatever they want and then they go over to the merchandise pickup line which is just processing as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, they could certainly sort of reorganize the way in which you're able to shop and check out. That could be changed. I think they could also decentralize the different parts of the store. So maybe you have Apparel store in a separate room from the plushie store, which is in a different place in the convention entirely, so that those lines you kind of break up that big group of people all trying to go to the same place. Because inevitably, some people are only interested in t shirts, they're only going to go to that apparel line. You know, some people are only interested in plushies, so you're going to kind of weed out a little bit that way. I think they have a lot of different options that they definitely need to think about for next year.
1: And let's use this opportunity to hear a little bit more from the people that we met in line. Please understand that this was in a gigantic hall with probably like a thousand to two thousand people all chatting and talking. So the audio is not the best, but I have done my best on the back end to clean it up for us as much as possible. What's your name? Taylor.
0: Crystal. Reba.
1: Awesome. What's your favorite thing about the Cosmere?
3: I would say the diversity of the stories and the um, really well-defined magic systems.
0: I would uh, say also just the variety of different characters and magic systems and planets. And so even if you're a reader who doesn't really like one thing from one part, you can dive into something else like Mistborn versus Stormlight and still enjoy yourself. Kind of similar... The way the magic systems can either overlap or contrast each other, they can either help each other or they completely, like, ruin the other part. And it is really fun to watch, like, the ripple effects. Yeah.
1: Character you want to see more of? Character you want to see less of?
3: I would like to see more of Renarin in Stormlight and also more other orders of Radiance. And then less of, I think we could see we could see less of Shallan, maybe. Okay.
0: So prior to rhythm of war, it would probably be in more of Navani because I also work in academia, so I love her character. Now um, I'm just—I know we see a lot of him, but I would love more of Kaladin, <laughs> um, and definitely less of Shallan. She's my least favorite character. I kind of want to see—okay, I want to see Rock more. I do actually want a better story about Rock.
2: Um, I don't know. There's not really anyone that I like particularly don't like seeing, even if they're a villain. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: I will say that the line was a wonderful opportunity to speak with people and to see amazing cosplays. You wanted to shout out a couple of those. Oh my gosh,
0: those. yeah. my Probably my favorite of the entire convention was an incredible Navani cosplay. I believe her actual name is Tara? Tara? She just looked absolutely perfect. As Navani. Yeah, cast uh,
1: her in a movie immediately. Yeah. She was absolutely top of the line, an incredible outfit, seemed bespoke and just a fine attention to detail.
0: She had lavender contact lenses in. She had Fabriel bracer on her arm. She just had it all. She looked amazing.
1: And she did not quit because the next day she did an incredible veil.
0: Yeah, she looked great as veil the next day. She just had really solid cosplay skills.
1: I think another Shallan and Veil cosplay was the split woman shalon and veil vale. i forgot her name i think it was ellie i think so too yeah but she had done a wondrous split body dual cosplay half of her body was shalon with like the blue dress half of it was veil vale with the white jacket and hat and it was so well done a perfect line down the center of her body for the two split halves loved it And clearly a lot of work put into that.
0: Yeah, it was very cool. And I think if you asked anyone at the con, everyone was talking about her.
1: (laughs) And they got uh, an opportunity to ask a question. I can't remember if it was during the spoiler or the live chat, but it was, yeah, it was so wonderful to also like see them rewarded in a weird karmic way. Like you put (laughs) all of this energy in and now you're one of the few people who's randomly selected to be able to ask a question directly to Brandon.
0: One of the most creative, I think, cosplays that I saw was the Hoyt as a hat rack cosplay.
1: Loved it. Right next to us in line, gold body, gold face paint, gold jacket with hooks everywhere and hats hanging off. It was Great to see a bunch of different hoids, obviously, the Man of Many Costumes.
0: Yeah, there was like wit version hoids and the slim black suits with their lutes and things.
1: There was, from Tress, the Hawaiian decked red pants. Quite a few,
0: yeah, Hawaiian shirt hoids.
1: Loved them all. I did have a, you know, special place in my heart because we hung out for so long next to Hat Rack Hoyt Exactly. And if we saw them later at the convention, it was just like, Hat Rack Hoid, you're here.
0: <laughs> it's always cool to see those unique ones where there's only one of them. Obviously, you walk around, there's like a bunch of Shalons. There was a bunch of Spensas or other Skyward characters. Actually, there was a really amazing al
1: Yes. Love that Alenique. There were many Aleniques, and I thought that all of them are a commitment. It's not something you can casually pull off. For example, I cosplayed one day as zeth which is just wear white it's the easiest cosplay ever i took it very you know like a lazy man i'm surprised man's approach.
0: that there weren't more zeths to be honest there was a handful of you but with such an easy costume i thought maybe it would be everywhere oh
1: i think next year i have brought it because it's basically just yeah. white pajamas yeah it's wonderful anyway yeah, i'm so comfortable but alanique is a commitment because you're doing some type of face paint and you have to be an alien for a day And this person, actually, we spoke to them and they said that they had a background in makeup.
0: Yeah, so she had the uh, sort of latex like prosthetics on her face to make the bone ridges uh, that Alenik has, which was really cool. And she just looked super authentic.
1: Let's use this opportunity to get a couple more perspectives from our good friends we met in line. Remember the questions that everybody's being asked are what's your favorite thing about the Cosmere and what is a character you want to see more of and a character you want to see less of.
3: I'm Asher.
2: I'm Kaya.
1: And then what's your favorite thing about the Cosmere?
3: I think my favorite thing is how interconnected everything is and that you can never guess what's happening next. Honestly, I really like Staris. I want to see Staris more. She's awesome. I mean, the obvious answer is Moash. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is the answer. And
1: then favorite thing about the Cosmere?
2: I like the complexity of it, how like you never know what's going to happen next.
0: I think I want to see more of like Yasna being a badass.
1: (laughs) I think special shout out because it was a defiant release party that we should mention there were many people. Who were dressed as Spencer, as mushrooms, as embots.
0: Oh my gosh, that one couple, there was a couple who we saw them building this embot. Ship, and I never actually saw the guy wear the costume, but it looked like it had straps where he could put on this Mbot ship and be Mbot. And then as I was looking at the woman that he was with, I noticed that her, like her tights, her dress, her necklace, her cardigan, everything had mushrooms on it.
1: I think she even had earrings and yeah. little accoutrement on her outfit. They were all mushroom based. It was perfect.
0: So cute. I also have to shout out the several slug babies, the Tanex babies. Like keep them coming, everyone. Dress, please dress your babies as Tainix. I never get tired of it. It's freaking adorable.
1: Special shout when babies are mentioned. I'm at least going to shout out the rat baby who was playing aside the Tress mother.
0: Yes, there was a tress with her little baby dressed as Huck.
1: Let's go with one final interview, this time from very special patron that we were able to meet and connect with at the con. Brian traveled all the way from the East Coast and met up with us several times. Let's get his thoughts on those kind of general questions that we were asking.
3: And this is Brian, our patron. So probably my favorite thing is, I think, just the positivity of the stories. Like, even when they get dark, I think Brandon has a very positive outlook. And everything is like, you know, this is not like a everything's going to work out well. But I think he's trying to show good people succeeding. It's not grimdark, which is really refreshing. And so I think it's just like a lot of people assume things are going to happen in dark ways. And I just don't think that because if you've read Brandon's books, he is an optimist at heart. And I think that comes through a lot. Character I want to see more of. I mean, Zeth, I'm really interested in Stormlight 5 to see more of him because I feel like there's a lot going on. I want to see more of Renarin too because there's some weird stuff going on. And also, like, I'm a truth watcher. So I really want to see more of him. I'm looking forward to seeing, like, more of him in Burlain as well. Character I want to see less of. This is probably going to be controversial, but uh, Kelsier. I liked Kelsier a lot in book one and now as we're seeing more of him it's like it's kind of diluting what we saw of him and i also just think like the more you see the more you realize how selfish he is and it just takes takes some of the shine off i get that brandon really wants him to be this big end game player but i kind of feel like he might have been better not used as much
1: love it Thank you so much to everyone that volunteered to be interviewed and that we were able to talk to for sharing your thoughts and your love of the Cosmere. Thanks to everyone else who was just cool and chill and great to meet. And if you want to be interviewed next time, you know, come up to the weirdo, probably in a Zeth pajama costume who has a microphone and will get your thoughts as well. I also loved all the cosplays. How about we go with some news, some updates, announcements straight from the Defiant release party and... The word of Brandon himself, like because from of Brandon's mouth.
0: It's not just fun and games at the con. This is business. There are serious Cosmere things happening.
1: It's going to be a serious year next year. As we mentioned, it's going to be three days. Dragonsteel Con 2024 is December 5th to December 7th. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday with the very special release of Stormlight Archive 5 happening on December 7th. So whether you are at the convention or you are in your cozy PJs opening up a book or downloading it onto your reading device, December 7th, 2024, that's when the real fun begins.
0: There we go. We also got the official announcement for the Words of Radiance Leatherbound Kickstarter, which has been delayed a couple of times. It is now officially going to be happening on March 5th. 2024, March 5th. So that's coming up pretty soon. One of the great things about this Kickstarter and because it has been delayed so many times is that they already have all of the books. So basically, as soon as the Kickstarter closes, they can start shipping them. There's not really going to be any wait time, which I'm excited for.
1: We mentioned this earlier, but there will be a new Stormlight RPG game planned for the fall or winter of 2024. Of note, that's going to give us some more information about Radiant Orders and what Spren make up each of the armors. So we're going to get like full classless, a lot of breakdowns, all considered, well, I'll say softly considered canon and accurate. What we don't have right now is a release date for that game.
0: Right. Obviously, as you start to develop these things, it's hard to set a really hard timeline, but I think they are hoping to have it uh, out near the release of Stormlight Archive 5.
1: And then we got some tidbits about after Stormlight Archive 5. Tell us about what Brandon
0: is doing next. Yeah, yeah. We are ending so many big series right now, which is something that he talked about. After he is done with Stormlight Archive 5, he plans to work on Mistborn Era 3, which I think this is the first time that we heard this is called Mistborn Era 3 Ghost Bloods.
1: Tentatively titled, but I love it. Yeah. I am really excited, especially there were a lot of parts of the Lost Metal that were introducing the Ghost Bloods. We got to see a little bit behind that veil, pun intended. But I also was excited about the potential of the conflict between mm. Marassi's mindset and mm-hmm. her direction, which is seemingly against the ghost bloods and that kind of building up maybe to big moments in Mistborn Era Three.
0: It definitely makes sense. I can't believe that I didn't think of that earlier, knowing that Era Three was going to be like spy thriller. Theme, obviously, that's going to be about the Ghost Bloods. I didn't think of that before. I am a little bit nervous. I think just because, as you're saying, there was so much of the Ghost Bloods in The Lost Metal, and I didn't love that book. But of course, this is going to be a whole new era, a whole new book. Maybe I'll like it better when it is specifically focused on the Ghost Bloods and they're not sort of being shoved into a different story.
1: Yeah, I think that concept of like, being put into the lost metal maybe became more apparent as brandon started planning further out yeah so he had some ideas about this needs to happen in era three which means i'm going to set it up now and i do feel like that detracted a little bit from the wax and wane of it all.
0: He gave a lot of interesting information about Mistborn Era 2 as well when he was talking about this and said that he actually completely got hung up on Shadows of Self, skipped that book basically, wrote book number three in Era 2, and then sort of filled in the gaps With Shadows of Self, which I think makes a lot of sense. We've talked before on this podcast about how that book feels kind of weird and like different. It's a big tone shift. So it was just interesting to hear a little behind the scenes info on that series.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to putting together a series, you know, constructing an overall series. We got some construction news, uh, some big, (laughs) big news.
0: Not about a series, just about an actual construction project.
1: Brandon Sanderson is building a Dragonsteel castle. They didn't want to call it that, but I will call it that until a better name is given out. The Dragonsteel Construction Project, or Dragonsteel Village, is a plan that Brandon has seemingly had for a while as like a a fantasy, an imagination.
0: So it started as they were like, We need an actual headquarters for our company. Like we can't keep running our company out of our house and a warehouse. And so they said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna build a headquarters. Well, if we're going to build a headquarters, why don't we also build a
1: bookstore? It should definitely be a bookstore. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then if we're going to build a headquarters and a bookstore, why don't we also build like a courtyard for people to hang out in where there's a cafe and some more storefronts and maybe a Dragonsteel store and some community rooms if you want to host a book club?
1: And so the project continued to grow in size. i believe what they said is that right now this is very early you should not get excited about visiting this anytime soon they are thinking the second half of the 2020s is when this project would start to come online and you might be able to view its progress
0: five to ten years i would say until we're ever able to visit this place but it sounds wonderful and i also love the commitment of Dragon Steel and everyone involved to giving back to their community, both their physical community, where this building is going to be, you know they're not just building it for themselves, they are building it for. The whole community, like I said, there's going to be community rooms that you can rent out and rehearse your play or have a book club. It's a place for people to gather, which I think is really lovely. And then, of course, they spent the entire convention giving back to the fans. And I think that ethos is really evident in everything the company does. And this is just one more really intense (laughs) version of that. It's
1: certainly exciting to be Maybe be able to bottle up some of that energy and that community that we were talking about at the beginning of the episode and get that all throughout the year. And maybe you have a layover in Utah at Salt Lake City and you're like, maybe I'll just go pop over to the Dragonsteel village or castle, whatever it happens to be. I think that that's lovely and If we didn't already mention, yes, it is going to be in Utah, I think they have the land purchased or they're under contract of some type to purchase the land. Otherwise, they probably would not have made this announcement. But there's definitely nothing constructed right now. This is in the very early phases, just a fun bit of something great to look forward to in the future. With that news out of the way, let's get to what everybody's actually here for, because this is the spoilers. This is hashtag all spoilers all the time. Deep knowledge from Brandon's mouth directly into to
0: our ears, oh. because we were able to be at a spoiler Q&A. In person, which was really fun.
1: It was. Again, I had to separate everything that involved Brandon from my favorite parts of the convention we were talking <laughs> earlier because Brandon was number one. I loved the speech that he gave. I loved the reading from Stormlight Archive oh 5 gosh. that we got. Yeah. And the spoiler Q&A was so much fun. It was also really well organized. I yes. love that they
0: they did a great job organizing it.
1: They did not just have a long line of people. Instead, everyone was able to scan a QR code and just submit your name. And then there was a randomizer that presented people's names up on the big board, the big screens, and then those people were able to walk up. It was just like smooth. I felt people got to write their questions ahead of time. I saw many people like reading from their phones. Yeah. And I thought that that was just a better way to go about thing than something along the lines of, hey, anyone from the audience, do you have a question?
0: I mean, there's no way they can do that. Literally, every single person would be in line. There would be no one in chairs. (laughs)
1: I believe that's probably what they figured out at some point, but this was great. It allowed great questions and Brandon was ready to go. He was firing on all cylinders.
0: Absolutely. Let's start with uh, a couple about Nightblood. I've sort of divided these into topics. Some of them are going to be uh, transcribed. Some of them are just a summary from the notes that I was frantically taking on my phone because uh, not all of the questions and answers have been transcribed yet. But we did find out that Nightblood is for sure not a shard, which was a question that I had.
1: Not a shard. I think the question of what is Nightblood would probably have just got a Raffo. And so I like this elimination style of, is he a Donchard? No, that we can just cross that off the list.
0: There was another question about Nightblood. Someone asked, what does Nightblood look like in the cognitive realm?
1: And for this one, Brandon did say Raffo. Read and find out. And let's just say this has been a topic of much interest to myself and some others.
0: Who are the some
1: others, Brandon?
0: Fascinating. Is fascinating. That Emily, Queen
1: of Dragon Steel. Is she wondering what Nightblood is?
0: Or is this from the writers who are coming into the Cosmere who are asking questions about Nightblood? Or I don't know. Does Brandon consider
1: his character so real that their mm, interests yeah. are his interests? This is
0: of interest to Brandon and also Hoyd and Basher <laughs> and his friends.
1: I think some of the biggest gasp in the audience came from questions involving The Sunlit Man, the secret project that Brandon wrote with the Cosmere in mind. This was not just a fun experiment during the pandemic. And it was instead kind of a purposeful introduction of important concepts and characters into The the Cosmere.
0: And our Sunlit Man Book Club will be coming out on the main podcast being soon. We have the most important words of Brandon about the Sunlit Man in those episodes. So stay tuned for a lot of discussion about those. But here are some lighter ones also about the sunlit man. Someone asked, is there a specific reason as to why Hoyd cannot skip, but Nomad can?
1: And Brandon responded, quote, yes, there is a specific reason for that. I'll get into it someday. The skipping started because of a certain event that probably I won't write a book to talk about, but you will get an answer to that someday, I hope. So it's a raffle, but a raffle with a little bit of a promise, end quote. Raffo? I like that. A yeah. raffle
0: with a promise. Thank you. I can handle that.
1: I can. I love when it's <laughs> raffle plus.
0: Yeah. Someone else asked... Have we met the Admiral of the Night Brigade or the family of said Admiral before?
1: Wonderful question. Brandon's response was, quote, The Admiral of the Night Brigade is the protagonist of the unnamed Threnody novel. You have not met her yet. I didn't say hero on purpose. I said protagonist. But when I write the Night Brigade novel, it'll probably just be called the Night Brigade. She's the protagonist, end quote.
0: And then another great fact about the Night Brigade is that the Night Brigade is able, he said the Night Brigade is able to track the Dawn Shard from Hoyd through the chain to Nomad. Those were his words, which indicates that there may be someone or someones else in between Hoyd and Nomad in terms of holding the Dawn Shard, which was not my impression prior to this.
1: Interesting. I had kind of assumed that this was the case because my interpretation is that Hoyt is not currently holding the Dawn Shard in everything that we have seen him. I had always believed that the Dawn Shard was something that Hoyt had in the
0: past. But and then Nomad every book... blames Hoyt for it. We don't need to get into like a whole right. discussion about this. That's but what the that... book club is for. Yeah, yeah, but that was the main reason why... It seemed to me like Hoyd had given it directly to Nomad.
1: I'm not even saying that Hoyd doesn't give it directly to Nomad. I'm merely saying that what Brandon mentioned here, that the Night Brigade is able to track the Dawn Shard from Hoyd through the chain to Nomad was always my understanding of the situation. Brandon seemingly has confirmed that. But it's still not 100%. Yeah,
0: I think there's plenty of uncertainty that remains even with this word of Brandon.
1: Let me have an opportunity to play a questioner this time. Switching years from the Summit Man over to everybody's favorite, Hoid. Hoid, Hoyt, Hoid, Hoid. Here's the question. Quote, is Hoid secretly a dragon? End quote.
0: Brandon said, Hoid is not secretly a dragon, but he did date one once.
1: And then the whole room is like, "Oh, what? yeah, we
0: all freaked out. <laughs> and then we found out from a subsequent question that Hoyd also dated someone who became a vessel. like is it, are they the same person? We don't know. Could it be cultivation? Could who it be? is both a dragon and is a vessel? Yeah, maybe those are two completely different people and we're just learning a lot about Hoyd's dating history. <laughs>
1: he's got one he's got a history (laughs) and as we see in rhythm of war with his relationship with jasna that dating history has not ended he is currently dating he is currently involved in relationships there is a tidbit from the story the traveler which we read previously all about Hoyd, and it seems to suggest that many of his actions are because of a lost love I'm not going to say that's a romantic right. love.
0: Yeah, he has talked about someone that he, well, I believe the quote is should have loved. We don't know if that is romantic love or platonic love or familial love. But I love
1: the idea that Hoyd loves, that that is still something that he has done in the past yeah. and is doing right now in Being our book Being millennia
0: present. old does not uh, preclude you from loving. Good to know.
1: Congrats to Jasnah. I imagine... He does well.
0: <laughs> He's got a lot of experience. That's probably wasted on Yasna.
1: Regarding a previous often talked about word of Brandon that Hoyd would not want to be near Nightblood, someone asked for a clarifying bit of information on like, what did Brandon mean by that?
0: And he said that it's because of Hoyd's breaths slash memory situation that we start to see at the end of Rhythm of War. Basically, Hoyd wouldn't want to risk losing his breaths or his memories in the way that he does to Odium. And it seems like Nightblood would probably do that even more comprehensively and probably quicker than Odium. So that makes sense to me that Hoyt would just be like, I don't want to be anywhere near that sword.
1: Nightblood is powerful. I mean, we watched it destroy a vessel, not necessarily the shard, but it destroyed Odium the vessel. And I think that what Brandon had mentioned earlier about, you know, it's of interest the powers of Nightblood, Mm, the limits of Nightblood. Keep an eye on the most dangerous sword in the universe. Let's get into some of the just miscellaneous questions and craziness that was on display.
0: This is a long one, but I think it's a good one. Someone asked, if you were to divest yourself of all identity, then tap the max amount of connection and investiture, would you be able to instantly have access to, say, the surges on Rashar without Oaths.
1: Brandon responded, quote, so what you're saying is if you divest yourself of all identity, you highly invest yourself, you're still going to need something that's gonna tell that investiture what to be and how to manifest in yourself. And so if it's the right intent, then maybe. Because you can have both identity and intent on investiture and you can unkey it to one or the other, or both. And so that might be, mm, but the thing is, you're still going to have to know this is a step toward getting what you want, but there's still got to be something that tells it you're holding a massive amount of investiture. What do I do with this? Do I teleport you across the Cosmere to another planet? What do I do with it? And you're going to have to have something to give structure to that investiture. You're missing a step, end quote.
0: Lots of great info kind of about the nature of investiture and the possibilities and this whole unkeying of investiture, which is fascinating. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're going to start to hear more and more about as we continue to move forward in the Cosmere.
1: Yes. I think that Brandon's introduction really in the Lost Metal of the unkeyed power or the power of unkeyed investiture is going to have many ramifications that it was like dropped into the lost metal because it's going to be maybe significant to Stormlight Archive 5 or future Cosmere stories.
0: Yeah. But then the additional context that he's giving in this quote that you can't just strip everything away. It still needs some kind of structure in order to be useful.
1: I think we're going to speculate and get a lot of feedback and conversations about these mini spoiler questions and answers from Brandon.
0: Next up, someone asked, who in the Cosmere could beat Taln in a fight when he was at his prime?
1: Tall never broke. That's what I'll say. <laughs> Nobody. I, I don't even know why Brandon entertained this question. It should have instantaneously just been like, you fool, you fool. Tall never broke. You think a random person in the Cosmere can break him? Nay, nay. That's what I say. That's my answer. There's a lot
0: of strong people in the Cosmere.
1: I will now give Brandon's actual response instead of my own ramblings. Here's Brandon, quote, depends what level of abilities he has access to. If you're saying access to full abilities, I don't know of anybody who could beat him in an actual one-on-one, end quote.
0: Intense.
1: That is as clear a statement to me In response to the question of who's the best fighter in the Cosmere? Who's the strongest?
0: I mean, as far as mortals in the Cosmere Mm -hmm. go, I think clearly Taln is the most powerful.
1: And I think best and most capable at fighting. right? There's an experience level that, for example, Vasher talks about with Kaladin and is kind of on display with Kaladin. But I think Tawn is many, many levels above anyone else that we have seen. There is really no substitute for thousands of years of combat experience.
0: Right. And that is the other thing about the Heralds that came out of this Q&A, there was another question regarding the Herald's magical maladies, Mm -hmm. and Brandon laid out very clearly that this is because souls are not meant to exist for thousands of years of existence. Yeah. Those thousands of years of existence, combined with the fact that they have experienced just an obscene amount of trauma throughout those thousand years... Is what is relating in the resulting in these magical maladies. The Heralds have been alive orders of magnitude longer than basically anyone else in the Cosmere. They're on the same plane as Hoid, dragons, vessels, but the Heralds are affected more than those entities because they don't have the same protections that beings like Hoid and dragons and vessels have that sort of insulate them for those thousands and thousands of years
1: that is a wonderful point that all of the really super powered beings are protected in ways that we don't even fully understand but hoyd's is the most obvious he's kind of like siphoned off part of himself right and that is something that the heralds
0: cannot do that whole breath memory situation for hoyd is the thing Mm -hmm. that is protecting him from going the way of the heralds.
1: Yes. And we don't know what really the heralds are dealing with. I think we can pretty confidently say that being a vessel to a shard is not great. Seems like there's problems with that. But I would say in terms of trauma, the heralds are at the pinnacle of the Cosmere in what they have endured. And Brandon seems to relate that. But I will also just say again... Tall never broke.
0: He also compared the Heralds and entities like Vasher. And I think this was a point that really struck me because I think when we have these conversations, a lot of times we talk about Heralds and Vasher or your Kelsiers, Mm -hmm. characters like this, sort of in the same category and we try to compare them and make connections between those characters. And to me, this word of Brandon just really hit home that you cannot put the Heralds in the same category as Vasher. 300 years of existence is just nowhere near the same as the thousands and thousands of years of the Heralds.
1: Yeah. To give a very simple comparison, it is akin to 300 years of Vasher is akin to a two-year-old to someone yeah. who is 30 yeah. years old or 35 it's years old. It's just
0: like you can't even talk about them in the same category. So that's definitely something that I'm going to remember for future when we start thinking about Uh, all of these things
1: yes and i will also just say shout out to us in the past for the cosmere draft where we banned heralds because (laughs) if anyone selected anything other than a herald they would have been making a mistake you should have taken the weakest herald and it would be orders of magnitude greater than any other fighter in the Cosmere.
0: i don't know i do feel like their uh their magical maladies though is their downfall they're not super reliable right so i still think "Eh, they're probably not great on a on a team depending on what you need them to do
1: that's true you as i remember or recall we did have a rule that you could state when a character was selected from so all you would have to do is i'm going to select Harold x at their strongest point and that would well, be before and that, that's magical why maladies. that's why
0: we that's why we banned it 100 yeah, yeah. percent.
1: and brandon now confirming our great decision in the past <laughs>
0: Let's go to another question about the Stormlight Archive. Someone asked, Is Yasna's illness psychopathy?
1: Brandon responds with, That's a very good question, Rafa.
0: I don't think I'm taking that as a yes. They're meaning psychopathy, like, is Yasna a psychopath? Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't get that impression from her. I think she is very practical and uh, slightly less emotional, but I don't think she's a psychopath.
1: I would say it would fit inside of the tiny box that can currently exist with very obvious mental illnesses or struggles with mental health that everybody else falls into. For example, alcoholism, very common, lots of different stuff about alcoholism. That's Dalinar. Depression, same thing. Mm, That's callity. Yeah, shalon did. Maybe not popular to the extent of people suffering, but is a well-known mental disorder that people have portrayed in many respects. And so to introduce psychopathy well every serial killer or <laughs> blah 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 story is about a psychopath who's you know on a murder spree or feels nothing and yeah. is making decisions even sometimes well, titans- and like
0: maybe i don't know if if that is the road that this character gets developed down i think maybe that's actually an interesting thing to start to explore And to have it not be your stereotypical serial killer type thing, but a more maybe average depiction of psychopathy of just like, yeah, she, you know, experiences maybe less, uh, less empathy, less emotion than the average person. That doesn't make her a serial killer.
1: Right. Doesn't (laughs) make her a serial killer. But I think that would be a great way to... Display Because what I've always understood or, you know, casually read is that the percentage of people that it are experiencing some sociopathic or psychopathic traits is much higher than number of serial killers. That number is very, very right. low. It,
0: well, I like everything. That's more of a spectrum yes. than, you know, a neat category.
1: Exactly. I think it would just be interesting to introduce a person who
0: has
1: no feelings as they are generally understood and then if we start to get perspectives from that person in the later stormlight archive books you know whole stories told from yasna's perspective how interesting that would be to explore what's it like to grow up if you quote-unquote feel nothing if you don't have the same seemingly yeah. normal abilities that everybody else has and you are just the one outsider i think that would be an interesting exploration so i appreciate the question but i'm also going to kind of agree with you and say i don't really see that yeah. In Yasna.
0: yeah i don't know if i take that raffo as like a a sneaky yes because we've also seen some small uh hints at what has happened in in yasna's past so i'm thinking it probably has more to do with Those little glimpses that we've seen, but we shall see. This is literally all speculation.
1: Another questioner asked about silver, one of my favorite topics. And maybe we
0: were both planning to ask silver related questions had we been selected. And we didn't get the
1: full question itself. But could you give us a debrief on Brandon's answer about like, what is silver doing?
0: He basically said that silver is disruptive. It's not necessarily capable of breaking capital C connection or breaking something like the Nahal Bond or Luhal Bond. But he did say that hitting a spren with silver is like hitting it with a shard blade. The spren could come back together in the same way that a night radiant has the ability to like regrow a limb that has been cut by a shard blade or something like that. He said that silver is specifically really bad for shades. There's something specific to those entities that react in that specific way with silver.
1: Oh, I know what it is. I don't know what it is, people, but my deep speculation for a long time, Brooke is already rolling her eyes, is that the shades on Threnody are created by something bacterial. It is some type of microorganism that is beginning the process, part of the process, creating the shades and connecting it over to Tress and the Aethers. Athers are mushrooms. We all know this. They have spores. They are well, connected you... in weird ways.
0: And the way that silver would relate to that is that silver on Earth is a a medicine for bacterial infections.
1: Yes, bacterial and fungal infections. One of the common treatments you can buy it at the store is a silver neosporin. Basically, it's just got like some. I
0: think it's called colloidal.
1: Oh, silver. look at you. She's backing up my theories now, people. This is how we've gotten her in. I'm
0: not. I'm just trying to get you to the end of it as quickly as possible.
1: And so the end will come when Brandon finally answers my question. One day. Yes. Silver is an antibacterial and an antifungal in the Cosmere. And that is what it's disrupting. It's breaking whatever connection is made with the fungal properties of aethers or with the bacterial properties of shades i've said my piece i leave it there
0: moving on we got an interesting note about a comparison between mists on scadrial and the shroud on Komashi. Brandon said that these two things are similar. Someone asked a question about the fact that Yumi is able to see through the shroud. And Brandon said that that's because she was able to align with the investiture, but that this ability would not be available to everyone. I don't really know what any of that means, but it seems important. So I threw it in here.
1: I definitely think it's important. We know that Tin Eyes are able to pierce the mist on Scadrial, but specifically it's not because their vision is improved. Mm. It is similar to this. It's that aligning of the investiture. Preservation's essence is part of the mist and Allomancer's are drawing on the power of preservation as well i think that this is similar but i don't have this idea fully developed but when it comes to tuning rods or tuning forks if you have a tuning rod that say shakes quivers resonates at we'll give a number 60 hertz and you bring another tuning rod nearby that is also resonating at 60 hertz. They have to be designed that way to resonate at a specific number. And if you bring a new tuning rod, it will actually make the other one start resonating without any flicking or hitting Mm -hmm. or activation. Yeah, just the sound waves. Yes, just the sound waves, but only sound waves that are resonating at the same level. If you bring a tuning fork that's resonating and vibrating mm. at 30 hertz, it does nothing.
0: So the idea would be, I mean, we know that Alamancy has a pulse. Yes. Like each type of ability has its own unique signature that some allomancers are able to perceive or hear. And the miss, as the body or the expression of preservation, my guess would be includes all of those frequencies right and then when the tin for example resonates at its specific frequency it aligns with that part of the mist
1: i think that's 100 percent accurate and i think the same thing is happening with the shroud on kamashi
0: except that yumi is able to do it by force of being a yokihijo instead of allomancy
1: right it's kind of within her the the power is more within her than allomancy where you're you're drawing upon other things one of another gasping spoiler tidbits came about dragons dragons we learned have a powerful rioting and soothing magic described that way but we shouldn't think of them as identical
0: yeah just similar to something like a rioting and soothing and brandon said that people can pray to the dragons and the dragons will help them with their emotions during difficult times
1: and i think this has something to do with what we see in stormlight archive with the heralds shalash specifically like doesn't want anyone to Pray to her and Mm. she's destroying Mm -hmm. all icons or imagery of her that could maybe convince people to pray for her is what I think is going on because I think it does something like reinforce the cognitive shadow element. And I think dragons are beings that exist in the cognitive and physical realm. So they're like very attuned to people's thoughts about them.
0: That's interesting.
1: That's my speculation on like the, the underlying, Yeah, Fact of what's going on. But we also learned that dragons are able to shift form into humans and do this specifically for breeding. All Cosmere dragons breed in human form.
0: Yeah, they breed and give birth in their human form. Both forms are equal for Mm -hmm. them. They can transition back and forth and uh, have... You know, equal importance on those two states, which I did not know. I've assumed that cultivation was able to sort of appear as a human and hide her dragon identity just by virtue of being a shard,
1: instead of it being an innate feature of being a dragon. Right. This kind of opens up a lot of possibilities. We could clearly have humans that we meet in the Cosmere that are actually very old dragons. It also, you know, bringing us back to that Hoyt question of like, who are you dating? It would be appropriate to assume that Hoyt was dating a human, someone appearing as human, though they were actually dragon human.
0: Maybe. Uh, that's don't know. true.
1: I don't know. You're right. Yeah. He could have been real into the dragon form. Yeah, you never know. I love the idea, though, that they are equal forms. It reminds me a lot of the singers and their Ability to move into different forms. Maybe when we meet them as the parshendi, those forms have positive or negative connotations. But hypothetically, all forms can be equal, and they're just like different parts of right. your life or different things yeah, that are useful needed. useful
0: in different ways.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. It kind of seems like the singers have a little bit of dragon vibes going on.
0: Let's go to another big. Hashtag all spoilers topic because Brandon did a reading from Stormlight Archive 5. So if you are a person who is no spoilers whatsoever for Stormlight Archive 5, you can stop listening at this point. We are usually no spoiler type people. I was very nervous <laughs> about this reading because I really just, I want to wait until the whole book comes out and read the whole thing. Like we have not read the, the intro or the prologue that has been released. He read an interlude, which I felt a lot better about because it wasn't connected to the main storylines going on. And I'm really glad that I heard it, actually. It's a little bit standalone, so I don't feel like the book has been ruined, but it gave me something to get excited about. We won't sort of detail the whole thing. It's available in a YouTube video that you can listen to. It's been transcribed, so you can read it if you want to. So we're not going to do that. We'll just give a quick uh, rundown on a couple of the things that were contained within that interlude.
1: Starting with the fact that it seems to be about the descendants of Yim, who we see in Stormlight Archive 1. I love Yim. Yeah, Yim, the shoemaker, the cobbler, and early Night Radiant that is slain by Nail. I think that this story seems to deal with his daughter and granddaughter.
0: Yeah, it's from his granddaughter's perspective. uh, But his daughter is the one who has adopted the spren that was trying to bond Yim. This interlude also heavily features the 17th Shard, our good friends, another group that was in, I believe, Stormlight Archive 1. They are back with their shenanigans on Rishar. Of course, our characters here are Grump, aka Galadon from Elantris,
1: Thinker, aka Demu.
0: And Blunt, aka Bayon from Taldane and White Sand.
1: Yeah, we last saw these people at the Pure Lake. They were popping around up there, but this time they are very interested in studying the Spren Bond and the Nahel Bond specifically. But then some chaos, some intrigue begins to happen and kind of stops that solution because it seems like the Iriali have been called Things away from Ashar.
0: Are going crazy. We come back to that super weird, supposedly a Spren Kusaketch or something, Kusaketch the Protector. It's even weirder than we saw it before, and seems to like turn into a perpendicularity.
1: Yeah, this. I mean, they were described as like mini beams of light. That all seemed to be perpendicularities that were ushering the Iriali forward, the next step on the long trail.
0: Yeah, this will be the fifth leg of the journey of the Iriali on their long trail, which explains a lot about the many sightings of Iriali that we've seen in stories that happen subsequent to this. I think they appear in. Almost every one of the secret projects, they are referenced in The Lost Metal. The Eerie have been popping up all over the place. So it's kind of cool to get a little bit of a, a background on why that is.
1: Yeah, I think that even some of the casual mentions of crossovers could be in response to the eerie because remember, they are not a pure. People. They're not like 100% separate from the rest of the world of Rashar. There's some crossover of culture, of language. Yes, they are isolated. But they
0: are not native to Rashar. Definitely. And they're also not from the same background as the Alethi. Like they arrived on Rashar separately from everyone else.
1: That is absolutely true. What I think could be the case, though, when we see things like chowda food maybe music or other cultural oh. aspects show up on other planets it could just be like there was an iriali that sold chowda and that was mm, their job
0: maybe
1: not a hundred percent obviously that's like a herdazian thing more than yeah. an iriali thing
0: but the big thing that this made me start thinking about is if this is the fifth leg And I believe the journey, the long trail is said to have seven, right? Seven lands. Then I think that means some of the secret projects have to occur before they get to Rishar. Like there's not enough... Legs. Lands at the end for all of the secret projects to be happening in the future of the Cosmere. So maybe the answer to why is design not in Tress of the Emerald Sea, that Hoyd has not bonded design yet, and that Tress of the Emerald Sea happens before this? But then, like, question mark for the timeline of the Elantrians and how they became so technologically advanced... I don't know, but it seems I feel like there's some weird timeline things that this starts to bring up.
1: And if you want help dissecting those timelines, unfolding the timelines, spinning the web of crazy theories across the Cosmere, we're going to be doing that. We're going to be doing that from now until Dragonsteel Castle is created, until long after, because Dragonsteel Con. 2023 was so much fun. We learned so much. We met so many cool people and really loved this as a celebration of the year of Sanderson.
0: Absolutely. It was the closest thing to like living inside of a book to get to see everybody's cosplays and be like, oh my God, look, it's Shalon. Oh my God, look, it's Navani. It's Spencer. So cool. So super glad that we went. I'm excited to go again next year. I'm excited to keep meeting and interacting with fellow Cosmere fans. And of course, a huge thanks to all of our podcast listeners. Thanks for being here, whether you went to the con or not, whether you're ever going to go to the con or not. You are a Cosmere fan and we love you for it. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death,
1: strength before weakness,
0: journey before destination.